The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What is freedom? And are you and I living truly free? What is freedom? And are you actually experiencing it? It's easy uh, when you hear the news and you hear the stories to just think that this opioid crisis, the heroin problem in our city and cities is someone else's problem. It's a, it's a they problem, right? Until it's your friend, until it's your classmate, until it's one of your family members, until it's someone in our church, and then all of a sudden it goes from being a they problem to being a we problem. And the the crisis around us becomes a crisis that we all feel and carry and deal with on a daily basis. And we wonder, how did we get here? Meaning, how did we get into this moment where this is not just a neighborhood problem or a city problem or a national problem? And and it goes something like this. You know, when you know someone who's been through this, then this, this story sounds similar. How, do, how, does the, how does an average person become hooked on heroin, right? Like that seems like a big jump. And maybe you, in your mind, you're thinking it doesn't happen like that. The average person doesn't get hooked on heroin. Okay, so here, here's how it works. And I'm not telling you a story that I'm making up. This is what we're hearing, what we're seeing, both from law enforcement and from people we interact with regularly. Here, here's the, the story goes, right? Uh, it, it's someone, one of us, you have surgery and it goes badly. And or maybe it even goes fine, but you get, you know, Oxycontin, you get Percocet, you get something, you know, a strong opioid and you start taking it. But then eventually you don't need it, but you feel like you need it because you're the the sensory uh, neurons in your brain tell you that you need the medication you've been taking every day for the last four weeks. And so you, rather than just ending the prescription, you go back and you get a refill. And now you're hooked. But eventually you can't get any more prescriptions, and so what do you do? And it's not a hard jump when someone offers it to you, meaning someone offers to sell you theirs. So you buy them as you can't buy them anymore until it starts getting too expensive. And then you can see how it goes from someone just, you know, taking a pill to snorting a pill. And then eventually they go, I can't afford my addiction to pain, you know, prescription drugs anymore. And so then they go to heroin. And heroin is much cheaper than buying prescription painkillers on the street. So it's not as horrific as a jump as it sounds for the person who's dealing with it. And then that's where issues like fentanyl come in because you know, heroin might give you this kind of a push or a, a feel good, but fentanyl is about 40 times stronger. This is also why we have such major overdoses because the person takes the same amount as they did if they were taking you know, Oxycontin or if they were taking heroin, they take a similar dosage, only what happens is you got a drug that's 40 times more powerful and they immediately overdose. And, and so why, why are people doing the drugs? Well, here, here it is, right? It's, we take painkillers to kill pain. But right there, that's what I want you to listen for. 
That's not a they problem, and that's not a we problem, that's a me problem, because I do things to kill pain. Oh, I'm far more functional than the person who's getting shot with Narcan or Vivitrol. By the way, those are overdose treatment drugs that are used to revive someone whose body is shutting down because they overdosed. No, no, you and I, if it's a me problem to kill pain, we have more functional addictions. See, here's the reality, we're all addicts. And I'm just trying to get your attention to admit it, right? That's one of the first steps. Get out of denial, admit that we're addicts. And so here it is, right? We all do things to kill pain. And I don't know what's caused your pain, but we all carry pain and we all try to treat it by killing it. Meaning some of us, some lean into just mind numbing entertainment. Some are workaholics. You're addicted to working hard because it either gives you a feel-good rush of accomplishment or it allows you to to push yourself into something so you don't have to think about the pain. Others are addicted to sex. Others are addicted to spending. They're addicted to gaming or gambling. But everybody has some drug of choice and every one of our drugs of choice are are used for the same purpose. It's killing pain. Whatever deep pain we carry, we're trying to treat it by medicating it, and so we self-medicate. And I'm not sure how you're self-medicating, but I'm sure that you are, because we all have some drug of choice that we use to kill our pain. And so what do we do about this problem? First, I think it's not just acknowledging that we're addicts, but acknowledging that we all struggle with the same thing. If it maybe you've never seen yourself as an addict, but you know how it feels because whatever your drug of choice is, you've tried to stop. You've tried to not do that thing. Maybe you just endlessly watch TV and maybe you're just addicted to Netflix or Hulu. And there's times when you're like, you know what? I should be more disciplined with my time, right? And so then you you regiment yourself. You're gonna create a schedule. You're gonna do all these things to get out of this addiction. And, and that lasts about 12 hours until you're tired and you're hungry and something makes you angry and then what happens is you feel pain again and so you lean into and you self-medicate with entertainment. And we have, we've discovered all of us that no matter how hard we try to kick our habit of being addicted to our drug of choice, we seem like we can't break free. Why? Because we, we get it. There is this deeper addiction that lives inside of us and it's warring against our best intentions. Look, I'm speaking, and I want to just recognize, you know, we got all of our campuses going to be watching with me this weekend. And so I just want to say thank you for listening in. This isn't exactly an easy sermon to just listen into. And so I'm grateful that all of you are with me right now. I recognize that this isn't just a Hagerstown problem. This isn't just a Chambersburg problem. This isn't just a national problem, right? Because here's the deal. It's not drugs that are tearing apart our cities or destroying our nation. It's, we don't have an opioid or a heroin crisis. We have a pain crisis and we don't know how to solve the problem. If we did, the billions of dollars that we've thrown at drug abuse would have solved it by now. The the millions and millions of dollars we've pushed into tighter law enforcement and cracking down drugs, we would have fixed it by now. So what is this problem that is raging inside of us? Here's the thing, right? There's this war inside of each one of us and we feel it. I can, that, that, that allows it to be an easy tie in then 
to the Roman Empire, an empire of wars, where they, they, there was a, a clear disparity between the victors and the victims, those that were conquered. And so the apostle Paul wrote a letter Here's a guy who was formerly a murderer of Christians and becomes a Christian. When his life radically changes, he goes from uh, being, you know, going around hunting down Christians to spending his life and income starting churches and leading people to become Christians. He writes or wrote a letter to the church in Rome around 55 AD because it was the center of the Roman Empire. And he saw the church in Rome as a vital, as a vital place where his message, the letter he was writing, could begin to spread and hopefully begin to spread a message that could overcome the ills, the crises that were plaguing the Roman Empire. And you don't need to have much of a study of history to know that Rome had its problems. The Roman Roman Empire was spreading problems, and one of them was this issue. They were acutely aware of the reality of war and being a victim or a victor, and, that, and they recognized that this war not only lived around them, but in them. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter, and, in, and kind of the pinnacle of that letter is chapter 8. Because chapter, and in fact, it's often referred to by scholars and other pastors as maybe one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. So honestly, whether you are a student of the Bible or even believe in the Bible, this is one that you might really get because it might, it stands out above the rest, all right? And so maybe, you're, maybe you have questions about God. Well, here's the deal. When we're dealing with addictions, it's almost like we'll say like, hey, whatever, might work, let's give it a try. And if the Apostle Paul has something to say about this problem, well then let's listen in. And so I wanna bring you to Romans chapter eight in the second paragraph, he talks about this inner war that's raging inside of us. He says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So let me just be real quick here and explain this. So the, the, the word flesh, he's not referring to your physical body. He's referring to something, th th this inner enemy that lives inside of you, that actually lives deeper than flesh deep. And, and he refers to that inner enemy, this thing that is evil inside of us, this thing that wants to do the wrong thing, this thing that drives us to addictions as flesh. All right, so he goes, those that live according to the flesh who are driven by their addictive desires have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So their mind begins to think based on what their flesh, these, these desires cause them to think. The mind governed by the flesh, meaning it's controlled by, it's dictated by these desires living deeper inside of you. They're hostile to God. In fact, this flesh thing, this internal drive actually pushes my mind to make decisions that go in the opposite direction of God. And it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. He said, in essence, there is this thing inside of me that actually goes in the wrong direction, pushes me away from God, and it doesn't even have the ability to do what God wants me to do. And... The conclusion here is this. The, the challenge he's giving is, is this, and, and there's a key takeaway. And, and so I want, I, want to, I want to give you a, a, a little illustration. Uh, it's from a, an ancient or an older proverb of a, an old Cherokee man talking to his grandson. 
And he says to the grandson that he has two wolves living inside of him. And, and he says that you, every one of us have two wolves living inside of us. He goes, one of them is evil, driven to hate and to hurt, driven by greed and desires that destroy. And the other wolf is good and, and is generous and wants to do what is right and best and, and help others. And the, the grandson looking at him, hearing about these two wolves that live inside of us, he said, well, which wolf, if they're fighting, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee man said, the one that you feed. And, and immediately you go, yeah, that makes sense. But the problem is this, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that we instinctively and intuitively have grown up from the time we were born to feed this addictive desire, to do what feels good. And here's the challenge, right? All of us are hardwired this way. There is this deep pain that then connects with this deep desire, this deep want to overcome pain. And as a result, we do things to kill the pain that, that we believe will make us feel better. But in the process of wanting to feel better, we do things that actually hurt us in the long haul. And, and the reality is that when we try to treat pain on our own through leaning into whatever our drug of choice is, it begins to hurt us. And then eventually it hurts others, those that we love most. And then eventually it begins to tear apart our neighborhoods, our communities, our city, even our country. And so what's the answer? Well, the Apostle Paul is talking about this war that rages inside of us, and he offers this, this answer, and he said, we've got to be aware that there is both this flesh thing and there is this spirit inside of us. And, he, and he, the answer is not, and so I'm going to put it up on the screen, this. He said, freedom is not doing what you want, but having the power to choose, meaning having the ability, having the freedom to choose between what I want and what I don't want. I, I wanna repeat that because I wanna make sure you don't miss that. Maybe even wanna take a moment and write this down. Freedom is not doing what you want, but having the power to choose, to choose between what I want and what I don't want. Ask any child what it means to be free, meaning if, maybe you have to talk to them at their language level, right? So you go, what would you do if you could do anything you want? If you didn't have to follow the rules, if you didn't have to do what your parents told you, what would you do? Meaning, what does it mean to be free? And every child has a pretty similar uh, statement, right? They're, they're like, it would mean I could eat as much candy as I want. And I would never have to eat my vegetables. And I would, I would be able to watch whatever I want, whenever I want, and stay up as long as I want. Now, as a parent, I know that that's not what's best for them. And even though they want to do those things, doing what they want is neither freedom nor best. In essence, they're not mature enough to understand that freedom is not just doing what you want, but having the power to choose between what I want and what I don't want. So why do we do what we don't want to do? Well, this gets back to the core of addiction. 
Addictions that somewhere deep in the hardwiring of who we are, meaning we are born predisposed to want to do the very things that would destroy us. We all have some drug of choice that we either, we were born predisposed to go after or we have learned to use that to self-medicate. And over time, we begin to lean into these things that we get trapped in, they control us. And so these two wolves that are at war inside of us, we tend to, from the very beginning, feed the one that most will hurt us. There's this war that rages inside of us. And so how how do we deal with it? What do we do about it? Well, when you look at this concept of flesh that the apostle Paul is talking about, he's referring to this idea of sin. Sin is a term that biblical authors and Jesus referred to, to acknowledge that there is this core deeper part of me, this spiritual part, all right? So now we're talking about addiction and we're saying, where, where is it? Is it in your chemical makeup? Is it in your physical body? Is it in your hormones? Is, is, your addiction, is the addiction in your mind? Is the addiction in your will? And every, all, there's all kinds of different treatment plans based on where you believe addictions lie. If it's purely in the chemical realm of your body, if it's in your chemical makeup, then you treat it with medication. If it's in your thinking, then you treat it with, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, if I can change how people think, I can change how they behave. But if it's somewhere deeper, if it's somewhere in our spiritual being, meaning there's another layer to who we are, we are more complex than just our chemical makeup. We are more complex than just our thinkings between what we want to do and what we actually do. Maybe we are, maybe at a deeper level, you and I are a spiritual being, meaning there's something metaphysical about us. And at the metaphysical level, we want to do things that are wrong and hurt us. Sin is what the apostle Paul is referring to as this drive that pushes us away from God toward doing what we want to do. But sin, every time it pushes us to do what we want to do, which is make us feel better, which is to kill the pain, it always seems to trap us in addictions. It traps us in something that will hurt us because sin is a trick. It's a self-sabotaging disease and that's why it would be fair to call it a sickness. It's somewhere deep inside of every one of us, deeper than our thinking, deeper than our chemical makeup, deeper than even our desires. And so what's the answer? Well, let's push back into what the apostle Paul is writing here where he says this. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, so now he's offering an answer. You, however, are in the realm of the, Sorry, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. Now he's acknowledging there's this other part of you. There's there's this enemy wolf that is the flesh that's out to destroy, that's driving addictions, that's driving want-tos that wreck us. And he goes, but you're in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And then he continues. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And so what is he saying? I read a lot, right? There's a lot to process there. I want to give you the, here's the first key, right? So if freedom is not just doing what I want, but having the power to choose, how am I, how can I discover freedom that enables me to choose right and wrong, what is best for me rather than what is less for me? Well, then we have to be set free. So what the apostle Paul is saying is that we are set free. 
would you not only write this down, but I want this to embed in your, in your thinking and embed in your heart because I'm hoping that it embeds somewhere deep inside of you. The first step, if I am going to have the freedom to choose is that I have to be set free from only choosing the wrong, right? Here, here's, here's the thing. If someone's addicted, then every time they get to the fork in the road between choosing what is best for them and something far less, this addiction, they only choose this route over and over and over again. And the apostle Paul is saying that there's, it's actually possible to be set free from this addictive pathway so that we could actually have the freedom to then choose. Now you can still go down this road, but you now have the freedom to go down a different road. Well, how do you get this freedom? What he's talking about is if you are living in the spirit because of what Christ has done for your life. So what does that mean? We believe, this is what the apostle Paul believed, and this is what he was offering to the Roman church, that Jesus Christ came to earth for this express purpose. He saw that all of humanity had this deep sin drive, this deep self-sabotaging addictive force living inside of us that was warring. It wasn't just a warring wolf. It was the most, it was powerful and destructive and destroying every one of us. And so Jesus comes to earth and he takes the collective consequence of sin, right? So if we're dealing with the spiritual realm, then Jesus comes in the, in, in huma- in the form of a human, takes on our sin, the fight, the battle that we're, that's raging inside of us with sin. He takes it on himself. He picks the fight with that wolf of sin. He takes the eternal judgment, the consequence of sin from our lives on himself. He puts eternal death on himself. He puts our judgment on himself. He puts guilt on himself. He takes our shame. He takes our hopelessness and he puts it on himself so that when Jesus died, he was not dying just a man who deserved to die. He was dying in a war against death. He was dying in a war against sin and he was dying in our eternal judgment so that his death became the payment for our sin, the payment for our eternal judgment, the payment for our guilt and shame and hopelessness. So that when Jesus died, he paid our price once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new life. How do you receive new life? Because Jesus not only died, he rose again from the dead. And in the power of his resurrection, he conquered the grip of sin on our lives. He freed us from the fear of death and he liberated us from eternal judgment. When we believe in Jesus by faith, his spirit enters into our spirit. Now this is vital to the concept of addiction. When you believe in Jesus by faith, something metaphysical happens, something spiritual happens. God's spirit, which is eternal and invisible, enters into our spirit, which is eternal and invisible. When God's spirit is in our spirit, he gives us true freedom. He empowers us to overcome sin. He now allows us that when we come to the fork in the road, there is something supernatural that happens so that we have the ability to choose between right and wrong, between addiction and freedom, between destructive decisions and decisions that produce what's best and produce life for us. You, on your own, You can determine to try to fight addiction. You can determine to fight self-medicating. And it'll work for a little while, but eventually when you're in pain, 
you and I will lean back into those destructive forces. And if we can fight that one, we'll just replace it. Okay, I was just recently in a conversation with the chief of police and our sheriff, and they were talking about this issue, and they said this, look, here's the problem. Go back a couple decades, and the issue was crack cocaine. And then it became just cocaine, and then, it be, and then and a couple, recently, within the last 15 years, it became prescription drugs on the street. That was the big problem. And then it was heroin, and now it's fentanyl. And you know what's gonna happen? Go five years down the road and there will be another drug of choice. Go another 10 years and there's gonna be another one. Why? Because you can't, if you don't treat the deeper issue, you're just gonna keep replacing one drug of choice with another. So what Jesus does is he transforms us from the inside out. He transforms our spiritual sabotaging desires and gives us his spirit. Now here is the challenge. It's like unplugging a fan. Please hear me. This is not a quick fix answer to the problem of addiction. I am very aware of the, of the more nuanced and complex issues of addiction. I get that there are complex reasons why people's bodies get addicted. And, and there are people who have studied this their entire lives and they've got volumes of books written about this. I am not saying that believing in Jesus by faith and his spirit living in your spirit, spirit will fix the addiction problem instantly. I am not telling you that all you need is to believe in Jesus by faith. I am not saying it's the only step. I am I'm saying it's the first step. Without believing in Jesus, it's like trying to get a fan that is plugged in to stop by knocking off the blades. You might get one off. You might knock them all off, but the thing is just still going around and around and around, right? It just doesn't have any effect. But when you believe in Jesus by faith, it's like pulling the plug on the fan. It might still be spinning, but it's losing momentum. And so when we believe in Jesus by faith, it's not the only step, but it is a first step. Here is the problem. You can be free, but with residue. And so what the God's spirit does is this, and this is what the apostle Paul is talking about. It's kind of like the change of a caterpillar. You become before you behave differently. You have to become before you can behave. So what Jesus does is he transforms us from the inside out. His spirit changes us, right? Imagine a caterpillar wanting to be free, wanting to be a butterfly. If it climbs up on the branch and thinks it has wings and jumps, it's going to get hurt. Many people think they have freedom, but when they jump, there's no wings to catch them. And so what happens is God's spirit in us is transforming us from the inside out so then we can begin to choose what is best, but the first step is to be set free. Please, I would beg you, don't go offering people quick fix answers, cheap cliches, this is not the only step, but it is certainly the first step. On the other hand, if you are addicted, if you're trapped in self-medicating destructive behavior, don't try to fix this on your own. A first step is through faith in Jesus Christ. But now let's jump back into this passage with what the apostle Paul is writing. He says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, that's what I just spoke about. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies, meaning it begins to have a transformational effect on your physical body, on your thinking, and on your desires because of his spirit who lives 
in you, meaning he's saying that there is some transformational work that begins to happen when you are set free that empowers you to live free. So here, here's what I want you to write down. When we are empowered to live free, we then have the power to choose. And he contrasts how people that live in the flesh and people that live in the spirit, how they make choices. So here's the person he says, that is living in the flesh, meaning you're driven by addictive desires. He said that you're trapped. You don't actually have a choice. He said that every time you come to the fork in the road, there's only one path. And every single time you go down that path and that path leads to guilt, hopelessness, shame, and death, but worse than death, eternal death. And there's nothing you can do to choose the other route and worse to even choose God and God's best for your life. He goes, but when you believe in Jesus by faith, God gives you the power to then come to the fork in the road and choose, not every time down your addiction, but to choose a new life-giving, life-changing, free route. Follow me, listen to me carefully. Some people have confusion within the Christian faith and the Christian community about drugs and drug treatment and what should we do? And, and when I talk to anybody about whatever their issues are, and if a, if a psychologist or a psychiatrist has offered them, you know, some prescription drug, I would say, I have no issue with that. Don't, don't freak out and get all worked up about drug treatment. Now, listen to me carefully. Here's why. I want to tell you what's actually going on, at least from my rudimentary understanding. Here is why it's not necessarily bad to start with a treatment of uh, some type of drug treatment. Even, even a, a methadone treatment or a Vivitrol treatment, right? Here, here's, here's what's really going on. Imagine if every day when you came to this path and you're in a field, every day in the field, you come to this path and you have a choice. And every day you choose this path, the wrong path, and you go down it every day. Eventually what happens is you're gonna carve a rut in your, in your path, right? And, and now when you get to that point, you don't even have to choose. It just naturally goes that direction. Well, your mind works the same way. There are, there are chemical neurotransmitters that carve paths in your thinking. And, it, and as, your, as those chemical reactions happen over and over, they literally carve into your brain neuropathways. So people who are into addictive desires, people who have self-medicating wrong choices, what they've done is they've carved neuropathways where every time they feel pain, this is the path they go down. So what, what happens when you receive treatment is it's like regrowing the grass in the field. You with me? It's like, it, it just brings everything back up to normal, back up to a natural level. Now, here's the deal though. Drugs can't fix the problem because they might regrow the grass, but when you get back to that same fork, you can still choose that one. This is why someone who's received Narcan, they, they get, they get they've, they've recovered from overdose, and why do they find themselves relapsing again? Because it, it leveled the playing field, but then it brought you right back to the same spot where now you, you've experienced pain again and you're making the same choice because you have no other choice because there's no other coping tools because there's no other deeper issue to solve the pain choice. So no issue with receiving some type of medical treatment, no issue with receiving some type of drug therapy, no issue with taking on whatever medical 
treatment you can receive. But here's the deal. No one, no government treatment, no Narcan, no Vivitrol, no drug entry program is ever going to push you to make the right choice. That's where you need to be freed from the stuck pathway and have God's spirit in you, empowering you to choose what is best, giving you the power to choose what is what it means to be actually free, which is where the apostle Paul says that when you have God's spirit in you, when you're living by God's spirit, then you have the power when you come to the fork in the road, you can choose what's not working. And we've done that, right? We've gone down those roads and then we get there and we're like, ah, and we need help to regrow the grass and we get back here. And the next time we come there, we remember, no, that didn't work. I'm going this way. Not only does God's spirit empower us to choose, but he enables us to choose what is right and best. And then he allows us to begin to carve a new path, new new neuro pathways that lead us down right ways of thinking. And that's why we need our mind renewed. That's why we need our, our emotions healed. That's why we need our past forgiven. And that's why we need our sin cleansed so that God's spirit empowers us to choose what is right and best. So we're doing a couple things. This weekend, we're trying to focus on awareness. So we're wearing purple in solidarity with Washington County Goes Purple, saying, hey, we need to hear about these things. We need to talk about this stuff. Look, I know you come to church, you don't expect to hear about this, but let's talk about it. But then secondly, we're saying education isn't enough. Let's create some answers. And so one of the things we want you to do is, uh, as I said, you know, one of the problems is you get prescription drugs sitting in your cabinet. Well, what if it's not you? What if it's one of your children? What if it's somebody who comes in your house and they take it? So we're saying, turn in your drugs, get rid of them. Get any one of the law enforcement uh, facilities, any police department will take it with no questions asked. You go in, you give it to them. Don't just dispose it because the last thing we want are our crab cakes tasting like uh, your drugs. So don't just throw them away. We gotta dispose of them properly. But then listen to me carefully. Here's the deal. Um, now, where are you at? Because if all you do is just every time get to hear and say, I'm gonna choose and then choose the wrong way, then you know you need to be set free. What I wanna do is pause. If some of you right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You need new freedom in your life. The freedom to not just do what you want like a little kid, but a freedom to actually choose because God's Spirit, God's Spirit has transformed you. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna pause and pray. And if right now what you need to do is say, yes, I need, to, I need to make a commitment to believing in Jesus, allowing him to forgive me of sin and make me new, then I wanna invite you to pray with me right now. Others of you believe in Jesus, but you're not walking in that freedom. And what you need to do is be renewed. You're asking God to regrow the grass so that you have a level playing field. Would you close your eyes across each of our campuses right now? Would you close your eyes? And if you're one of those individuals where you're acknowledging that you need to make a commitment to Jesus, you need to be set free today. There, there's, maybe it's an addiction, may, maybe it's a, a drug of choice that is destroying you, but right now you're at a place where you're ready to make a decision for Jesus. I wanna invite you to raise your hand. I know it's a bold step, it's a big step, but just raise your hand and say, yes, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus, commit to him by faith. And if that's where you're at, as you raise your hand right now, I wanna take a moment, I wanna pray with you. Jesus, Thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to come to earth, to die on a cross, to pay the price for our sin, to get to raise from the dead, to give us the power of freedom. 
freedom from sin, freedom from the fear of death, freedom from those addictive forces that are tearing havoc in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. So Jesus, we make a commitment right now by faith to believe in you and commit our lives to you and walk in that freedom. And God, the next time we're faced with one of those choices, would you empower us to choose what is right and best? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.